Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. Good morning and welcome to Mystery Bible. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. We have been looking at Genesis and studying about that gap in between the Bible, where it tells us that the children uh, of Israel, where there was a fear or king. And the last episode, we kind of went through just the basic intro into the book of Exodus and the spiritual connotation to the natural uh, Exodus and all of those things as a deliverer, a redeemer, all of those things that we will expound upon as we uh, move through the book of Exodus, also known as uh, the names of, and it tells about the names of the sons of Jacob that was, uh, that came with uh, with him to Egypt after um, the incident with Joseph and so forth. So this particular podcast, we're going to begin our journey into Exodus um, chapter one, but we're going to focus on the beginning of it. And what I'm going to do is call from several um, uh, documents, and we're going to read from these different documents, again, to get a good picture before we step into the uh, the book itself and the parts of the book. So what we're going to be looking at and pulling from is the Bible, and I've been telling you guys that we're using that as basic foundation, and then we are going to pull from different sources. I believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I just want to get that out there. I also believe that... Um, the King James Version that everyone swears by, um, and anything outside of that within this framework of Christian, uh, Western Christianity, they panic, you know, but there's a lots of errors in the King James uh, Version. There's lots of, uh, uh, there's lots of problems there. And uh, I know because of that, because there are problems within that book, and when you line it up with the book of, um, Jasher and Jubilees and all these type of stuff that you see some problems and so people uh, start questioning the word of God and all kinds of stuff. I even had one part where we had studied um, earlier in the uh, in the book of Genesis where uh, Sarah, I think, was, was it Sarah? Or I can't remember exactly who uh, was praying, asking uh, some information from the dead necromancers and so forth. And uh, they had said in Western Christianity that, um, you know, that was a teaching against the Word of God. And I tell them that in in Jasher's time when they were doing that, because Jasher is before the Bible, that seemed to be something that they did culturally. And again, it could be a cultural thing that God addressed later on when he came into, when he brought them out of Egypt and so forth from amongst the world, and now he's going to take this people, and he's now going to 
teach them his laws and his precepts. And that's what I believe was when he introduced that. I don't want you to do that anymore. Cease from doing that. You don't need to do that. You have me. I am your God. I am your Redeemer. I am the one that you come to versus going after those things. So that's my two cents on that situation. But that's my belief. So as we are going to take a look at a couple uh, of the intro, if you will, and um, we will uh, take it from Genesis, not Genesis, sorry, I apologize, Exodus chapter 1. And uh, we are going to just start in verse 5 and then come back, uh, proceed from there. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. So we see that from his lineage there were 70. For Joseph was in Egypt already, so that's 71. So um, it came out of his loin, I apologize, that came out of his, uh, from his loin were 70, including uh, Joseph. And Joseph died and all of his brethren and all that generation. And that's what we have been studying, uh, that generation, if you will, and to what happened within that generation. And uh, we saw that piece in there. Let's take a peek at uh, what we saw in how Jubilees handled that. It says, And it came to pass that after Jacob died, the children of Ishmael multiplied in the land of Egypt, and they became a great nation, and they were one accord and one heart. So that brothers loved brothers, and every man held his brother, and they increased abundantly and multiply exceedingly ten and it gives you um, the age uh, or the year, 22.42 a.m., uh, week of the year. And Jubilees breaks it down to that specificness, if you will. And all the days of the life of Joseph. And there was no Satan nor any evil all the days of the life of Joseph, which he lived after his father Jacob. For all the Egyptians honored the children of Israel all the days of the life of Joseph. And Joseph died being a hundred and ten years old. Seventy he lived in the land of Canaan, and ten he was a servant, and three years in prison, and eighty years he was under the king, ruling all the land of Egypt. And that's why I love how they broke it down in the book of Jubilees. And so we're going through, it says, And he died, and all of his brethren, and all that generation. And it says, And he commanded the children of Israel before he died, that they should carry his bones with them when they went forth from the land of Egypt. So we know that they are going to leave with a couple of things that is precious to the children of Israel. And it says that he made them swear regarding his bones, for he knew that the Egyptians would not again bring forth and bury him in the land of Canaan, of uh, Macramon, king of Canaan, while dwelling in the land of Asher. And we see this again, I'm just giving you guys a, a kind of a, just a glossy look at it, uh, kind of to give you the stuff before we jump into the book. And it tells us in the book of um, Jubilees, it says, And Joseph died in his 46th Jubilee in the sixth week, in the second year, and they buried him in the land of Egypt. And this is around 22, 42 a.m. All his generation died after him. 
and watch this. And we're going to go back to the other. It says, And the king of Egypt went forth to war with the kings of Canaan in the 47th Jubilee in the second week, in the second year, and the children of Israel brought forth all the bones of the children of Jacob, save the bones of Joseph, and they buried them in the field in Bevel A in the mountain. And we talked about that when uh, where, uh, Abraham had brought that. So, um, uh, let me continue here, and then I'm going to skip into another book. And most of them returned to Egypt, but a few of them remain in the mountains of Hebron, and Aram, their father, remained with them. And the king of Canaan was victorious over the king of Egypt, and he closed the gates of Egypt. Okay, and we continue, and it says, and he deceived, uh, devised an evil device against the children of Israel, of afflicting them. And he said unto the people of Egypt, Behold, the people of Ch- and the children of Israel have increased and multiplied more than we. And this is where the Bible comes in when it picks it up there. It says, and uh, it tells us that they have multiplied more than more than us, and uh, get them up out of our land for their hearts and faces are towards the land of Canaan. And he set over them taskmasters to afflict them with slavery, and they built strong cities Pharaoh, for Pharaoh and Ramses, uh, Pithon and Ramses, and they built all the walls of the fortification which was had fallen in the city of Egypt, and they made them serve. With rigor, and the more they dealt evilly with them, more they increased and multiplied. There's some wisdom in there and some truth in there. The more that the enemy uh, presses us, uh, the blessing of God is made more because it says, Where uh, grace is, uh, sin is more grace abound. So there's a principle hidden within that. As we said in, in the beginning, that Exodus ended, and it tells us in verse 7, it says, uh, let me go back to verse 6, when it says, And Jacob, Joseph died, and all of his brethren, and all of that generation. And the Bible in Exodus says, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Again, this is the world's wisdom. At least they multiply, and it come to pass that when they fall away any, any out of war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasured cities at Pithon and Ramses. And that is in the Bible. And so now we read Jubilees before. We're going to take a look at Jasher and see the introduction, if you will, on that part of it. And uh, again, I'm doing this because I feel I love to look at different uh, storylines and different um, uh, uh, books and all of these different things to give me, I want a personal, uh, for my learning, a better picture of what was going on in the culturally, uh, the culture, the politics, the people, all of those things. And it gives me a better understanding and appreciation of what God did and what the people did at that time. Verses 65, I mean chapter 65 in the book of Yasher. And um, uh, it's a really, uh, you guys should really get a, uh, the book of Yasher and read it because you see um, it talks about the Africans ruling over Egypt and all of, I mean, over uh, Israelites, uh, uh, 
with Esau's kids and stuff like that. So it's really fascinating that the Bible doesn't go into, and a lot of Western Christianity doesn't talk about the fact that the black man had a uh, had a prominence uh, within uh, Judaism and Ju- Jewish history because again they're focused on making slaves of them as Pharaoh did, and uh, we see what happened with Pharaoh as they made slaves of them. They might be able to see some of that principle happening within these countries that are uh, subscribing to that type of mentality. And it came to pass after these things that all the counselors of Pharaohs. So we see now, we have an introduction that people will say, you know, there's a contradictory or something is contradictory to the Bible. No, I think um, whether it's his people that got together and do it, he will still make the final choice. And I think when we look at the Bible, we see that the Bible usually picks up when this person, the king is in charge, so it's his responsibility, his, his call. And the um, book of Yasha will go into more detail, and then it will lead us into the king's call, if you will. And it came to pass that after these things, that all the counselors of Pharaoh, kings of Egypt, and all the elders of Egypt assembled and came before the king and bowed down to the ground. And they sat before him, and the counselors and the elders of Egypt spoke unto the king, saying, We see this in the same type of uh, stuff happened with Nimrod. The Bible talks, us, talks about us, but Nimrod did something. But when we read the book of Yasher, it was his people, his counselors, uh, counseling Nimrod, and then Nimrod made the decision to go ahead. And here we see the same principle, if you will. Behold, the, people, the children of Israel is greater and mightier than we are. And you know all the evil which they did to us in the road when we returned from battle. So apparently there were some complaints with you guys having that was going on between the Egyptian and um, the Israelite people. And thou hast also seen their strong power, for their power is unto them from their fathers. And we know that these guys, remember, um, that generation that died with Joseph and those guys, these men were like supermen, men of renown. They were, they had abilities that has diminished in our to our current time. Uh, but we know that they did not attack any of those guys. The Egyptian come up with this plan. And I believe that's in uh, Josephus, I believe. Either Josephus or the legends of the Jews, which we're going to read. Those are the two uh, places that we haven't read it. Uh, the reason why, uh, from my reading and my recollection, was the reason why Egypt did nothing to them, even after Joseph had died, because all of his brothers were there. Remember, we, uh, the last several podcasts, we were dealing with their brothers and stuff like that. They didn't attack them because they knew that these guys had uh, extraordinary power, if you will. And there's a mention here about it. So they waited until all of them died, and then they came up with their stuff. And I believe I read that somewhere in either Legend of Jews or or Josephus. We're going to go into that too as well, because as I'm trying to do here, is give you guys a nice foundation in the beginning from different sources. So we kind of get... the scene set, if you will, uh, when we are going to now focus on this new king and uh, once he instituted slavery, how it had started affecting everyone, what was it, what did he do, all of those things we're going to get into as we, uh, uh, we began to uh, study it. Because some of the stuff is really, um, I, I love, I'm a, I'm a big Mel Brooks fan and um, I like, uh, I study film and um, uh, uh, some of these guys. Their work. I know 
Woody Allen, I know the type of character and stuff that he is, but the film work, when I studied the eye that he has, and Mel Brooks and, and several other guys, had Hitchcock and all these guys uh, that I studied when I was in school, and to see their eye and their mind from the way of a, the camera, the lighting, and all of those different things. And Mel Brooks, he's one of my favorites, and he talks about um, in several of his movies where people are killing a lot of Jews, and he say, that's too Jewish, and um, I just love that. So anyway... I, I um, regress. So let me get back on on <laughs> on focus here. So we see now that um, uh, uh, let's take a peek at this and continue reading it so that you can get the gist of it. And this is in the book of Yasher, and this is chapter sixty-five, and we're reading this, and we see that they did not do anything because um, they were. It says, uh, let's pick up on verse four, and thou hast also seen their strong power. For their power is unto them from their fathers. So these kids have some power. But for but a few men stood up against a couple numerous than the sand and smote them at the edge of the sword. And they're talking about his brothers, these guys' fathers. And of themselves, uh, not one had fallen. So that if they had been numerous, they would then have utterly destroyed them. So they're saying, we got to control these bunch of people because uh, their fathers were pretty mighty. And if we uh, allow them to spawn, if you will, we can get into some trouble. Now, therefore, give us counsel what to do with them until we gradually destroy them from amongst us. Least they become too num numerous for us in the land. So, you know, they had a logical reason as to why they wanted to uh, annihilate these people and turn them into slaves because we don't want them to grow yet numerous. But the Bible tells us that more they, um, the more they torture them, the more they become numerous. And so that's why I say to you guys, look at these people on the scene. God will use their character against them. We're looking at uh, the president, uh, the ex-president, what was happening with Islam and the people around him. And God uses their character against them, just like the devil. God used the devil's character against him. The Bible tells us that he's a killer from the beginning. So how did God set up this thing? God set up this stuff whereby Jesus had to die. So um, he used his character against him to accomplish what God wants to be accomplished. And he'll do the same against every single man on this planet to get his will done. That's why the Bible says, don't be afraid of them. God says, don't be afraid of these people. He said, I got you. He says, I have their heart in the middle of my hand. And we're going to see here with um, with uh, uh, Ramses, uh, you know, that uh, God said to, to Moses, he said, don't worry about him. I'm going to make his heart hard. I, he was born for this. And so I'm telling you, and if you, we're going to see in the beginning when God called Moses, he said to him, he will not let you go until his son dies. And um, so God had already told Moses what was going to happen. And... Uh, he just went to Egypt to make it happen. And God had to harden Pharaoh's heart until he bring him to the point where he refuses and God had to, uh, uh, his son had to die in order to, because the Bible says God's word, he never speaks anything without being fulfilled. And that's just, he says he's God, he doesn't lie. So there you go. So it tells us now, therefore, um, in verse 5, it says, Now therefore give us counsel what you should do unto them, but gradually destroy them from amongst us, lest they become too numerous for us in the land. For if the children of Israel should increase in the land, 
they will become an obstacle to us. And if any war should happen to take place, they will, with their great strength, will join our enemy against us and fight against us, destroy us from the land and go away from it. And so we see that um, Pharaoh Parrot did the same thing. And that's what we read in the Bible. So the king answered the elders of Egypt and said unto them, This is the plan advised against Israel, from which we will not depart. So we see he agrees with it. Behold, in the land of Pharaoh, in uh, Pithon and Ramses, cities un uh, unfortified against battle, it behooved you and us to build them and to fortify them. Now therefore go you also and act cunningly towards them, and proclaim a voice in Egypt and Goshen at command of your kings, saying, All ye men of Egypt, Goshen, Pathos, and all of the inhabitants, the kings have commanded us to build. If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Python uh, and Ramses and to fortify them for battle. Who amongst you of all Egypt, of the children of Israel, and of all the inhabitants of the city are willing to build with us? Shall each have his wages given to him daily, or uh, at the king's order? So go you first, and do cunningly, and gather yourselves, and come to Pithon and Ramses to build. And whilst you are building, to cause a proclamation of this kind to be made throughout Egypt every day at the command of when some of the children of Israel shall come to build with you, you shall give them their wages daily for a few days. So we see the plan, what the plan looks like. And after they shall have built with you for their daily hire, drag yourself away from them daily, one by one, in secret. And then you shall rise up and become their, ma their taskmasters and officers, and you shall leave them afterwards to build without wages and should they refuse then force them with all your might to build and if you do this it will be well with us strengthen our land against the children of israel for an account of the fatigue of the building and the work the children of israel will decrease because you will deprive them from their wives day by day and all the elders of egypt heard the counsel of the king and the council seemed good in their eyes, um, and in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all Egypt. And they did accordingly to the word of the king. And all the servants went away from the king, and they caused a proclamation to be made in all Egypt. And so we see now what this plan consists of. And that is why I love reading the Bible, uh, other sources other than the Bible, because 
This gives us a lot more information that the Bible doesn't talk about, and that is in the book of the Asher. So now let's take a peek at um, the legend of the Jews and see kind of glimpses as to what they, from their standpoint, again, this is not taken away from the truth of the Bible. It is just showing us some behind-the-scenes stuff. And the truth of the Bible is the truth. And the Bible tells us that God does not deal with lies. And so the Bible is truth. The Bible says, that, um, Jesus said in, in, in the words, Sanctify them with your, your, uh, with your truth. Your word is truth. So the word of God. Now, how these men interpret the word of God can deal with some um, problems, as you know, uh, I've mentioned several to you. There's in Job, they have a scripture that talks about decree a thing and it shall be established. The original says, no, it doesn't say decree or to proclaim it. It says decide it first. Decide a thing and it shall be established. And that makes more sense to me because you have to decide it within yourself that this is what you want and then you will decree it and then it shall be established. That is called faith. So let's continue. Uh, we look at, um, and now we're looking at the legend of the Jews and we're looking at Moses in Egypt and um, it is entitled Moses in Egypt, the beginning of the Egyptian bondage. And let's see um, what they say in comparison to the other sources. As soon as Jacob was dead, the eye of the Israelites were closed, as well as their hearts. They began to feel the domination of the strangers, although real bondage did not enslave them until some time later. While a single one of the sons of Jacob were alive, you remember that we were talking about, I was talking about this later, this is where it is, it's in the legend of two. Um, while the, the sons of Jacob were alive, the Egyptian did not venture to approach the Israelites with evil intent. It was only when Levi, the last of them, had departed this life that their suffering commenced. A change in the relations, relations of the Egyptian towards the Israelite had indeed began noticeably immediately after the death of Joseph, but they did not throw off their mask completely until Levi was no more. Then the slavery of the Israelites super, um, supervened in good earnest. The first hostile act on the part of the Egyptian was to deprive the Israelites of their fields, their vineyards, and their gifts that Joseph had sent to his brethren. Not content with these, um, they sought to do them harm in other ways. The reasons for the hatred of the Egyptians were envy and fear, and we see this today. Um, and we talked about these spirits. We know that these are entities. The sons of Jacob talked about these entities, these spirits. The Israelites had increased to a miraculous degree at the death of Joseph. Seventy persons had brought down with him had grown to the number of 600,000 and their physical strength and heroism were extraordinary and therefore alarming to the Egyptians. There were many occasions at that time for the display of powers. Not long after the death of Levi occurred, uh, that of the Egyptian king Magron, who had been bred up by Joseph, and therefore was not wholly without grateful uh, recollection of what he and his family had accomplished for the welfare of Egypt. But his son and successor, Malo, together with his whole court, knew not the sons of Jacob and their achievement, and they did not scruple uh, to oppress the Jews. So we see who now this new king is. He's mentioned by name in 
the legend of the Jews. The final breach between them and the Egyptians took place during the wars waged by Malol against Zeppo, the grandson of Esau. In the course of it, the Israelites had saved the Egyptians from cursing and defeat, but instead of being gratefully um, grateful, they sought only to undo uh, uh, undoing of their benefactor from fear of the giant strength of the might turn against them. So we see what this goes into a little, uh, little more information as to what was happening on their way from the war, as we uh, read. So it tells us that, uh, and it continues in the legend of the Jews. It says the counselors of the elders of Egypt came Pharaoh and spake unto him, saying, "Behold, the people of the children of Israel are greater and mightier than we. Thou hast seen." their strong power, which they have inherited from their fathers, or a few of them stood up against a people as many as the sands of the sea, and not only a half, and not, and not one half had fallen. So he's saying none of them died, and these guys did what they did. Now therefore give us counsel what to do with them until we shall gradually destroy them from amongst them, let least they become too numerous in the land. So we're getting to see again, the reason behind their action. And that's what I love about these other sources. You get a chance to see the reason behind their action. And that information came from the legend of the Jews. So now we're going to jump over to, um, uh, we're going to jump over to the, uh, Josephus and we're going to read about that there and just get a chance to see what he says and, uh, in his, uh, recollection of the situation because he's a historian and he was just gathering stuff and writing it so that you and I have access to it and uh, let's take a look and see what Josephus wrote in his work. It says Joseph also died when he had lived 110 years having been a man of admirable virtue and conducting all his affairs by the rule of the reason and used this authority with moderation which was the cause of his so great felicity amongst the Egyptian even when came from another country, and that in such ill circumstances, also as we have already described, at length his brethren died after they had lived happily in Egypt. Now the prosperity and sons of these men, after some time, carried their bodies and buried them at Ebron. But as to the bones of Joseph, they carried them into the land of Canaan, after when the Hebrews went out of Egypt. For so had Joseph made them promise, if you remember that, upon his oath. So when he was dying, he told them, to take my bones and go. But what became of every one of these men? And by what toil they got their possession of the land of Canaan? shall be shown hereafter when I have first explained upon what account it was that in Egypt. And that is the um, backdrop for Josephus, and he goes into his chapter 9, and it is titled Concerning the Affliction that Before the Hebrew Egyptian during the 100 years, the 400 years. And if you remember that God had told Abraham that the children would be in slavery for that long, and that he would then rescue them. Um, and uh, uh, as I mentioned to you guys, God does not say a word. He does not say a word. He does not say a word that he does not fulfill. And the reason why he is, he does that is because it's very simple. We, our words are spirit and they are life. And uh, the Bible tells us that you and I will be judged for our words, what we, how we release them, because what, what's in that word? It tells us that the uh, power of life Death is in the tongue. Your tongue controls your words, what you release. So, because
because your words carry life and death, you are speaking either or. And so you and I may not uh, think so. One of the things that the scripture says, let not com- corrupt communication come out of your mouth because you're speaking death. And uh, there's only death and life within the power of the tongue. That's what the scripture says. So whatever you're speaking, you're speaking one of our the other. So, uh, because God is not a man that he should lie, the scripture said, you know, uh, it says in Isaiah, it says, God never wastes his words. He only speaks words that he means and words that produce life and words that produce results. And your words and mine carry a, uh, within it life or death, nothing else. Now, it happened that the Egyptians grew delicate. Now, this is we're continuing in the book of Jesus. Josephus says, now, in this is chapter 9, now, it happened that the Egyptians grew delicate and lazy. Now, this is from the point of view of a historian. As to pain-taking and gave themselves up to other pleasures, in particular to the love of grain. They also became very ill-affected towards the Hebrews, as touched with envy at their prosperity. We read that early, that spirit of envy will come into one's life to corrupt their thinking by infiltrating their thoughts and causing them to act and behave certain ways. For when they saw, again, you see, evil coming to your thoughts, and this is one of the things that happened when Eve became and whispered to her. And then she saw, and when she saw me, that she walked into the realm of the natural. She's following the natural senses. And once you surrender to all of that, that says so you see that for when they saw how the nation of Israel flourished, they became envious, of course, and uh, it tells us before that um, through envy and uh, jealousy. So these are some really powerful entities that you and I need to be mindful of when it comes into our life. Watch how you are looking um, and what you're seeing when you are looking. When they saw how the nation of Israel flourished and were becoming eminently already in plenty of wealth, which they had acquired by their virtue and natural love of labor. They thought their increase was to their own detriment. And having in length of time forgotten the benefits they had received from Joseph, particularly the crown being now come into another family, they became very abusive to the Israelites. So we see this is another family um, in that received the crown as they go through. And uh, this is, that's, I'm telling you, I love this stuff. And so they became abusive to the children of Israel and contrived many ways by afflicting them, for they enjoyed, uh, enjoined them to cut a great number of channels for the rivers and to build walls. This is the fortifying of the city and so forth. So now we get a chance to see what was behind the children of Israel treating, um, uh, I mean, the children of Egypt, uh, treating the children of Israel bad. We get a better picture and an understanding from reading these words. And again, when you look at the Bible, it doesn't go into any of that stuff. You know, it just tells us that after Joseph died and his brethren and all that generation that died, and the children of Israel were fruitful, increased abundantly, and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. And, and now arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And so we see that there was a lot of um, stuff happening between those two verses. And he said unto his people, Behold, the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them. And so the Bible, from verses 7 through um, through 11, uh, he goes in and uh, it tells us what, you know, that he began to, uh, uh, you know, have these taskmasters and all these different things and began to 
punish and turn them into slaves. They started together. They got a bunch of Egyptian and other people to begin the work. And as they said every day, some of them would leave and extract themselves from the workers' crew. And then all of a sudden, one day, the Jewish people looked around and all of the crew, as they say, the workers, the worker bees were Jewish people. And those men that were working for them became their taskmaster and their lives changed for the next 400 years. So you and I, um, uh, you know, what a testimony. I know it's uh, 400 years is a long time. And as we begin to study, we'll see that usually God will say that you'll read a a story that says that the cry of the people has come up to the heavens and and, and so forth. Uh, We know in the Bible, in in Genesis, the uh, the blood of uh, uh, Abel was crying and um, if you book, read the book of Enoch, it also says that the blood, uh, his blood was in heaven, um, requiring judgment and so forth. And it's really funny uh, when we look at things. Not funny, it's, it's different when you begin to read other sources and see some things that the church is afraid to talk about. Um, uh, I know they, they're afraid to talk about it, but, you know, they've been called aliens and all of those type of stuff. And if you've been following this uh, program, the... Anunnaki's, if you will, and we call them the Anunnaki's. Those were the fallen, the 200 angels that came and they reigned on the earth at first X amount of time and their children were the, uh, were the giants, the Nephilims of the time. And so all of those guys were, uh, the children. If you look at the book of Enoch, it talks about them, give them names. Um, we know we have, uh, the famous one, and I can't even think of his name. I've seen pictures of him holding a Gilgamesh. These guys were real. These were the sons of the angels and mated with women. Uh, the first generation, we call them the Clash of the Titans. Now, the, uh, the Greeks, the Greek nation, if you will, was formed by uh, descendants of uh, Nephilim and they moved on in different areas and they brought their their mythology or their stories with them and the clash of the titans was the first generation of the Nephilims when they had a civil war amongst them and then they died zeus and all these guys were regular people uh, all the uh, mythology that they they talk about uh, in the Greek culture. These were regular people that they made God. Hercules was, uh, I believe, he married a descendant of Abraham. Uh, So these guys are real. The the early forefathers dealt with them, talked talked about uh, people, how to to witness to to these type people because they had to know who these men were. Um, uh, Zeus is, is buried, I can't remember exactly where, but he's He's buried in, in, and they know where he's buried. And this was a regular man. Uh, Beowulf and all these guys, these are all, uh, uh, regular people that, uh, uh, those stories, um, and those creatures at the time, I believe those were all there. The Bible talks about a lot of these creatures that the church, main, main, mainstream Christianity, white Christian, uh, Western Christianity, if you will, refuse to talk about it because they're, they're, they want to control people. Uh, but I believe that they ought to teach this, and because they haven't teach it, that's why people are uh, led away with all these fantasies and, and uh, all these crazy stories that they believe in, whatever. But I believe because they took away the truth of the 
Word of God. They say that inspired Word of God. And that, that gets me really upset because if the Book of Enoch wasn't inspired, what in the world is, is, is it talking about Jesus? And why is the Bible, uh, Jude and all these guys, pulling from that book if it wasn't inspired? And so that, 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 I don't even want to get into that because to me that is actually just, just really sick people. And, but anyway, those sick people were the ones that determined the destination of the current church. And so, um, if it was good enough for the early Christian and the early church fathers to read and study and, and, and and quote from, in the book of Jude, we know he quote from it specifically in several other books. You know that Joshua tells us to go read the book of Jasher. Isn't it not written in the book of Jasher? Isn't that go read the book of Jubilees? All of these things they took away. And um, they took away the knowledge from the church because they are simply into controlling the people. And they want really badly, desperately to have members and not to have disciples. And you'll see them and hear them brag about how many members they have. But God doesn't care about your members. He cares about you becoming disciples so that you can affect and change this world. Stop becoming as the children of Israel, I mean the children of Egypt. It tells us, uh, Josephus, uh, his recollection of them, it tells us, now it happened that the Egyptians grew delicate and lazy. And I venture out to say that that's much of the church today. They've grown delicate, and they're lazy. They allow people to spew nonsense, hatred, everything against the word of God and call themselves Christian. The Bible says that you and I are called to live differently. We ought to study the word rightfully so that we can understand who we are in Christ, so that we can truly and honestly become effective and change this world. If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. Thank you for listening to Mystery Bible. Let's walk through the Bible and learn of God and His beautiful mercies and all that He has provided for us that we may become effective for His kingdom and change this world. Check in every week for a new episode.